are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group and host of Locked On Warriors here with David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat. We'll get to some of the games uh, here in a bit, but we start with the games that weren't played, David, as matchups between New Orleans and Dallas and Boston and Chicago were postponed because of the coronavirus protocols. Four Mavericks tested positive. The Celtics, the night after their game against the Heat, was called off. Still can't play a game as most of their roster is in quarantine. The NBA has now postponed four games in the first 20 days of the season. David, what do they do now? They're going to move forward. Uh, I, I see a lot of talk about the NBA putting pause on the season, taking a couple of weeks or maybe longer to kind of figure things out. And I feel like they had that opportunity and they chose to rush through this by getting games in on Christmas. I don't want to necessarily spend all episode getting into the ethics of that decision, but clearly it was a rushed one. And I, I guess they expected Maybe they were feeling themselves a little bit because the Orlando bubble was so successful and then they kind of pushed through this. They did have a pretty comprehensive document, but from reports that we're reading from The Athletic, it seems like they're using a very loose interpretation of CDC guidelines Mm. to kind of guess that, you know, if players are on the floor for a certain amount of time, it won't necessarily lead to the transmission of the COVID virus. And that seems like that might not necessarily be the case. And of course, once players get off the court, there's no way of, limiting their interactions you would hope that they would have some kind of ownership uh, and and restrict the kind of people they interact with as regularly uh, while they're traveling and things that sort but look it's it's a dangerous virus somebody's going to catch it and it's going to spread and we're seeing the effects of that now so as far as the league is concerned what i don't think they can do anything i you know you we've heard talk from the governor's meeting and the gm's meeting that took place by call today Uh, As we're recording this late Monday night, it took place earlier on Monday. And from what everything we understand, they just kind of emphasize the rules that are already in place and figuring out a way to make them even a little bit more strict. But I don't think that's going to lead to anything major. That's no no huge change that's going to sweep COVID out of the league or anything like that. So I think their options are limited. They either stop or they move forward, to be honest with you. And I think they're just going to continue to move forward and, and hope for the best. Yeah, there's, there's an idea that they should just pause, right, for about like 10, 10 days to just get everything situated. But we've seen this across other sports, right? I mean, the NFL had to um, kind of push forward through their season. The, the Major League Baseball, I mean, what, what, what happened with the Miami Marlins early in the, in the year where they couldn't even field a, a complete roster? They just – baseball just kept going, and that's what I think is going to happen. And I, I also – look – I don't mean to say, I don't mean to not take this seriously, but I do think that this is being a little overstated, right? We knew that players outside of this bubble were going inevitably to, to some players were going to catch the coronavirus, right? We just, we knew that that was going to happen. Uh, These quarantine rules, uh, the reason that these games have been postponed to me is there, there does seem to be an abundance of caution happening here uh, because even if you're a player who has had the virus and you're not tested positive for the virus, even if you come close to a person in the case of, you know, Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum and everything that happened there, right. there you're, it's just, you know what, you're quarantined. Like the contact tracing protocols and all that stuff, like you came into, you came into contact, you're, uh, you're of risk to have this and spread it. Even if you don't test positive, you have to go into lockdown. And so I, I, I do, 
I, I don't think that it's so dire as people are saying. I don't know that they're necessarily putting players in danger the way that, um, that some people have accused the NBA of doing. Now, that said, there just seems to be a lot of silly things happening in the league that could be um, uh, uh, curtailed and I think would, would help. I mean, this, this idea that these players at the end of games can take off their masks and, and shake hands and, and kind of talk to teams, uh, talk to players on other teams and all that stuff, just get rid of that. Just make that illegal. Just say, like, look, no more hand. I'm, I'm sorry, sportsmanship has to take a hit in, in, the, in the age of the pandemic. No more shaking hands and, and joking around after games. You just can't do it anymore. That's a, you're, and if we see you doing it, you're going to get fined, period. I, I, just, I see no reason why not to implement that. If, if the whole point of this is, to stay, is the contact tracing and to stay out of uh, you know, coming in, in, into contact with people who may or may not have this thing, just, just don't do it. Just don't risk it. And then they also have these rules where – you know, players and coaches are all spread out on these sidelines and they've got like this advertisement, you know, rubber board in front of them and stuff. And you're okay, players, you get the front row and then these other players at the second row and the coaches are over here. And then what, what happens at these games? Everybody just stands up. They all, you know, huddle up in a corner and, and, and of, the, of the court and they're, and they're celebrating and, and, you know, interacting with each other. That you should be fined for that. If we see that happening on television, the whole point of the social distancing thing is not to just put chairs further apart, right? Nobody cares about the chairs getting the coronavirus. It's about the players. And you can't just get out of these chairs and, and, and huddle up and, and be within contact with each other. So those are the things to me that could just be obviously fixed. And now all of a sudden, you, I think you'll be able to have maybe a few, instead of, uh, instead of not having that league minimum of eight players, maybe you do. I mean, because literally when this stuff happens, David, every player counts. And if one player doesn't get caught in the postgame uh, um, you know, handshake fest or, or is in the scrum celebrating in the corner of the, uh, of the court, then you, and then you're able to have eight instead of seven players, then the game can technically go on and you can try to get through this season. I just think that there's easy things that the league can do that have been otherwise overlooked so far. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense, right? It, it feels like if you can at least make these minor changes, maybe you can do something to minimize it. But we're also talking about probably the bare minimum. And these right. players are still sweating, coughing, breathing. I, I brought this up on my own Heat show when I was talking about this same issue today. There was a couple games ago for the Miami Heat where Kelly Olenek wound up taking an elbow in the face. And as he was lying down on the floor, he kind of brought his hand to his mouth. There was no stoppage of play. And you could clearly see in his hand that he was collecting some blood there. And Kelly just kind of rubbed his hands together and continued playing and probably touched the ball immediately afterwards. So, I mean, I'm not saying that blood is necessarily a way of transmitting COVID-19, but I mean, these bodily fluids are being exchanged pretty easily. And the contact is being made very regularly. Like he's putting his hands on other players when he defends them. He right. it's, because, the and look, it's, it's because, and look, you, that some of that stuff's unavoidable, right? Right. But, but it, it's because also I think when these players actually get onto the court and yeah, they're playing in fanless arenas and all this stuff. But I think when they actually start playing basketball for 48 minutes, they just sort of forget about that stuff and you yeah. can't blame them for that. But I do think that there needs to be something of a tone set during these games. And that includes, you know, uh, keeping the, making sure that they abide by the rules that were put forth because they're just ignoring it. They're ignoring it. They're taught They're, you know, like Kelly Olenek, like his first thought when he's bleeding is, this seems like a problem 
in this pandemic right now, I should probably go get cleaned up. And instead, you no, know, he wants a foul call. That's what he wanted. That's, right. That really was, that was the biggest thought process right there was, ah, why did I get the call on this? And he starts arguing with the ref. And again, there's no stoppage of play. He just has to go and hustle up and get back into it in the next possession. It's uh, you know what I was going to suggest, actually, we've already heard, I, I think we're starting to see more and more uh, following a report from Baxter uh, Holmes of ESPN a couple days ago, maybe even last week, where teams and the, the personnel that they've assigned to be kind of responsible for testing and things of that sort are already overwhelmed to the point where they know that it's mostly been falling onto like the head trainer or somebody within the organization that handles, you know, something within a medical capacity like that. Right. And they're not, they're not necessarily trained for this sort of thing why doesn't the league just kind of hire 30 members, uh, 30 members of the health community, people with experience in something like this to be able to kind of monitor testing so that the trainers can go back to actually, you know, training the, the, I, the I players think and there athletes. Is, I think there's a little bit of that happening. The Warriors have two nurses who travel with them on team planes. And that's, I, that's different. I, I, from okay. other organizations I've seen, it seems like it's just a trainer. Like with the Heat, I know for, for certain it's Bill Foran, the same guy who's been doing their, the strength and conditioning right. for the team for years. So a head trainer and now all of a sudden he's in charge of like controlling a pandemic and making sure players don't get it uh, that's the problem you've got 30 teams operating in their own 30 individual bubbles and they're and then those bubbles come together like the middle of a venn diagram right in each of these games and and a lot and i i don't know if you're the like the nba you have to be able to enforce these things going to some of these games david i just like I go to a Warriors game and media gets tested. There's rapid testing happening. You have to wait in this social distanced room that is monitored by oh, see, security. That's not going on at, in Miami at all. No, I, I mean, walk, yeah, I think my, that's happening a lot too. You like kind of go in there and you just like stay away from everybody, but kind of sorta because you have to sign in. And I'm wearing a right. mask, but it's not exactly enforced the same way it is in other places. No, so I went to a, uh, the preseason game in Sacramento. They just kind of asked you, like, do you have it? And I was like, no. And they're like, all right. Yeah, Come not that in. I know of. I feel okay. Thanks. Yeah, and so, and there just seems. And look, this is uh, the like this is us. You know, gross media people who really nobody cares about us, right? But yeah, it just does go to show how different the implementation of these rules and regulations are from team to team, right? Right, and so. Um, I, I just I think the NBA needs to step in and find stricter ways to enforce uh, more specific rules, and I don't think that that's too much to ask. I, I, again, I'll give them credit. I think that some of this the, these games being postponed, I, I I think that it's being overstated as a negative. I think it, it's a little bit more positive. I think they're being a little bit more cautious than people I think are giving credit for. But there's still obviously is a lot of things that could have been prevented. Uh, before we even got to this point of postponing so many games. But do you think the stoppage of play will help kind of reset things? No. I mean, are you for the two week break then? No. I mean, I, I think that this is why you just release the schedule in two parts. You know, you, you postpone these games and figure it out later, but get the like and these individual teams are just gonna have to quarantine and figure it figure it out. And they're they're obviously their season is paused. I don't think that there's any reason to pause the entire season because of because of all this. I think you should just push through, but you got but this should be this should be the first warning, right? Like this should be a slap on the wrist and, and a warning to other teams saying, if you don't take this seriously, this is what's going to happen. Um, and it's going to, and your players are going to suffer for it, right? Because you're going to have to bunch all these games up at some point. Um, anyway, uh, we'll get to Monday night's action next, including a new playoff contender in the East. But first, David, tell our listeners about betonline.ag. Well, with the NFL regular season wrapping up 
and the playoff picture already starting to finalize. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust is a network. That's betonline.ag. If you sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, the NFL games are still there. If you want to make a little money, you want to bet on, on college basketball or the NBA season as it continues to push forward, make sure you don't sit on the sidelines anymore and get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online. It's your online sportsbook experts. Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, David, let's get to some of the games from Monday night, though the 76ers have been hurt by the coronavirus protocols. They went on uh, to play in Atlanta. Trey Young scored 26 points, paced Atlanta's dominant second half, and the Hawks beat the shorthanded 76ers 112-94. to Yeah, the Sixers just had nine players. Ben Simmons was again held out with a sore left knee. And, of course, Seth Curry was out because of a positive COVID-19 test, as were Tobias Harris, Shake Milton, Matisse Teibel, and Vincent Poirier. Embiid, the lone star, had 24 points and 11 rebounds in a losing effort for the Sixers. Over in Cleveland, Dylan Brooks scored 21 points, and the Grizzlies recovered after blowing a 16-point lead to beat the Cavs 101-91. to Yeah, the Memphis Grizzlies led by 73-57 to late in the third quarter, but Cleveland, a huge comeback. 27-8 run capped by Damian Dodson's basket midway through the fourth to go ahead by three, but a three-pointer from DeAnthony Melton put the Grizzlies back in front for good at 89-86, and Dylan Brooks wrapped things up by making two free throws in the final minute. I like Dylan Brooks, man. He's a good player. Memphis has got a player there. They're really beat up but right now, but um, they've got something with him. Over in Orlando, Giannis, who returned from a one-game absence because of a minor back issue, was slow to start the game. Uh, he scored 22 points and paced a 22-2 to two run in the fourth quarter to lead the Bucs to a 121-99 to 99 win over the Orlando Magic. Now let's go to Washington where the Suns were crushed by the struggling Wizards, 128-107. to 107. Bradley Beal, the NBA's leading scorer, had 34 points in the wire-to-wire win without Russell Westbrook, without Thomas Bryant. They assisted on 29 of their 48 baskets. Now, on defense, Washington entered the game with the third-worst defensive rating in the league and allowed Devin Booker to go off for 33 points. That, by the way, was the first time Devin Booker had scored more than 26 points in a game this season, so a breakout performance for him. But they bottled up everybody else uh, on on the Suns. Beal, after the game, said, quote, tonight was the first time that we guarded the right way, end quote. He had been quoted previously as talking about how poor Washington's defense had been this season. Now, these are the everybody eats wizards, right, David? But but they're still just three and eight. Westbrook will come back eventually, which I don't think is a positive. Um, And on Monday, the ringers, Kevin O'Connor, drudged up the the Beal trade rumors by saying that if Washington can't turn things around, that Beal should ask for a trade. Now, at this point, if you're an NBA team, which of the two sort of, I, I suppose, available stars would you rather have? Would you rather have Bradley Beal or would you rather have James Harden if you were another NBA team? That, that is almost an impossible question to answer. Like, just at face value, just because I think, well, you could make a strong argument that Harden is pretty clearly the better player just because he's an overall better passer. I, I guess their defense is somewhat on par. I mean, maybe you give Beal a slight edge in that regard, but I don't think either of them are considered strong defenders. Harden, the better passer, probably the more 
capable scorer just because of his ability to get to the line and be a little bit more dependent on his shot falling, although that's clearly been the case so far in the season. I personally like Beal better just because I think he's more of a a, ty- a plug-in type player where you can just yeah. add him to any system. He's not going to rock the boat. He's not going to change your system dramatically. You can work around him with your existing core already, depending on what you have to do to acquire said player. But yeah, I, I think while Harden probably makes your team better in the long run, if you've got the right team around him, I think Beal is probably a, be- a better player that just fits in almost at any team and can immediately contribute and make your team right right away much, much better than they were. I, I think it's a no-brainer. I think it's Bradley Beal. Uh, first of all, he's 27. James Harden is 31. Point, Harden has yeah. a weird, uh, you know, this isolation game. You know, Houston is okay, um, but I don't think like, the offense is not better. You know, I, I think it's interesting that right now with what's going on in Houston with what, what Steven Silas is doing with that offense, he wanted to increase – he wanted to add more motion, right? He wanted to add more, you know, high pick and roll of Christian Wood and all these things that sound really great, but yet – Houston's offensive rating is worse than it was last year when it's just James Harden doing the one-on-one stuff, right? The isolation stuff. Like, that is such a good offense by itself, but it's just hard to win that way like we've seen in the playoffs. And I don't really know what you do with a James Harden if you're another team and you're trading for him. But with Bradley Beal, I know exactly what I'm doing there. I know exactly that he's going he's gonna to help us with the floor spacing. He's a, he's a, he tries hard on defense and he'll try even harder on defense if he's not the one guy scoring for you right like he is with the wizards right now he can run pick and roll for you he can play make uh, i i think it's a no-brainer beal would be the guy and if 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 he does ask for a trade that's gonna hurt i think houston's trade market for for harden there's a reason why they haven't been able to trade harden yet and it's not because they're asking for too much necessarily i think it's because that there's just teams out there that just don't know what it would look like with james harden with their current group but everybody knows exactly what you would get out of Bradley Beal. I think it's a no-brainer. He's kind of he's got that game that just sort of raises you know all ships. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, like I don't know. Everything that we've heard out of Washington is that they're not going to trade Bradley Beal. But it would I, I suppose it would it would be a Bradley Beal trade demand that gets him moved. Everything we know about about him, it kind of it suggests that he wouldn't do that. But we've seen this happen in the in the past with with stars, David. And I, it would if the Wizards are, I don't know, three and twenty, you know, a mm. few weeks from now, like he would he would have to at least consider that. Yeah, I, I mean, look, these players are all programmed to kind of want winning uh, throughout the course of their lives. They won because of their own individual greatness, even if they carried really bad teams in AAU or high school or whatever. So they're kind of used to that. Uh, you know, they've spent very little time in college, so maybe they get a taste for winning and maybe they don't. But when you get into the NBA, your legacy is largely defined by it. And Beal, kind of an underrated star and, and has an opportunity maybe to force his way off of a Washington team that seems like they're continuously rebuilding. Maybe that through no fault of their own, maybe things would have worked out differently if John Wall had managed to stay healthy over the last few seasons. Maybe they might have been uh, a little bit stronger of a playoff contender for the, that span. But uh, for Beal, I don't know if time is necessarily running out, but if you want to make a change, this is as good a time as any. Other than that, he has to wait another season before he enters free agency, and that's probably not too palatable for him. So 
I could expect uh, a, a request coming in, maybe a somewhat little quietly, maybe during that pause in between the first half and the second half of the season during the alleged all-star mm-hmm. break. And he can just kind of quietly slip into the owner's office and say, look, I've done everything I can here. It's not going to work with Russell. He's under contract for a couple more seasons. I'd like to kind of just move on from here and see what it, you know, you could have an opportunity to rebuild around him maybe to some degree and whatever mm-hmm. else you can get in a, in a, in a trade for me. Yeah, and they've got Denny. He's been nice for them. You know, they've got pieces there. Thomas Bryant was good before he went down with his season-ending injury. Yeah. Um. So there's some there's some young pieces there that you that you'd like. But for, for if you're Beal, young pieces. I mean, that's great. But you know, he's in the prime of his career right now. You know, right. I don't know if he wants to wait on guys like Denny and everything. Um. Let's go now to Charlotte, where Gordon Hayward went this offseason. Uh, looking for a bigger role, and he started the season playing some of the best basketball of his career. Hayward scored 34 points, and the Hornets beat the Knicks 109 to 88. And now they've won four straight. Hayward's been on fire during this winning streak, averaging 29.2 points while shooting 55% overall. The Hornets are 6-5. and five. They're in firm playoff position now in the Eastern Conference. They're getting nice contributions from LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier, and Hayward is thriving. Mm-hmm. David, do you believe in Hayward's Hornets? Uh, no, uh, I don't think it's sustainable. Um, through no fault of his, I think he's going to be solid. You know, he had a, this is a, the version of Hayward that they were hoping they'd get. And that maybe a lot of Celtics fans expect him to get, but that was such mo- so much more of an ensemble cast because there was just so many other good players from Tatum to Brown and, and Marcus Smart to some degree there that Hayward had to kind of figure his way out with a much more talented crew, I think. In Utah, he was the quote-unquote man there, and then they were kind of just learning how to build around him with Ingles and Gobert and others. And this is the kind of production that mirrors what he was able to do in Utah. But that team was much more, I think, deep and talented overall. While the, while Charlotte has been surprisingly good, I just don't see it able to sustain. Maybe they can qualify for a play-in tournament berth, but I think that's the, the ceiling for this team. I can't imagine them being like a, a – a six seed in the Eastern conference, just because there are teams that are still at the bottom right now or figuring their way out early on in the season, like Miami and others that I, I think will be able to eventually supplant them in the standings. Um, there's things I like about Charlotte. Uh, they rank near the top in all of the, the speed and distance metrics for ball movement. They're one of the best. They, I think they're second in the league behind Philadelphia and passes made per game. So the offense works, right? And LaMelo right. ball has been nice for that offense. You've got a bunch of, guys who can run stuff like Terry Rozier. You got, uh, you still got Devontae Graham there. Obviously Gordon Hayward is a, is a, is a good playmaker and passer at that position. And you like how aggressive that he's been early in Charlotte. He, he does kind of, this is one of those rare instances where a guy says he, he wants to leave a, a playoff team and get his own team. And then actually performs when he gets his sort of own team, you know, uh, nudge, nudge to Kyrie Irving. But uh, I, I do, I, I like what this team is offensively defensively. I have some questions. They're one of the top 10 teams in the league in defensive rating right now, but there, there's a little smoke and mirrors going on. They, they, allow a, um, they allow a bunch of open three-pointers, and right now teams are just not hitting them. That's largely luck. Teams will start hitting those threes, and, and all of a sudden these games are going to get a little bit more tough for, for Charlotte. But look, um, I think with that offense the way it is, and there's enough talent there, the East isn't so deep. I, I don't know. I, I think that there are, I'm a believer in them being a playoff team. It's, and certainly within this play in tournament now, that's between seeds seven to 10. I think they will be in that mix. 
and, and I kind of like I, I like the foundation that they have because I like the offense, the way that they play. And, and I still think that we need to see a little bit more from the defense because so far it has been a small sample size. In Portland, Pascal Siakam, for the second night in a row, misses a potential game-winning shot. It rims out. The Raptors lose to the Trailblazers 112-111. to C.J. McCollum, 30 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists in the game. And then in Sacramento, Harrison Barnes scores 30 points, has 8 rebounds and 2 assists in Sacramento's 127-122 to win over the Pacers. DeMontis Sabonis, 28 points and 11 rebounds, 3 assists. He continues to dominate, but it's not enough as the Kings outscore the Pacers uh, in a nail-biting victory up in Sacramento. Uh, two of the NBA's best big men face off tonight. We'll talk about that next. But first, David, let's talk about Rock Auto. Yeah, yeah. With an ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's so hard to stock all the parts that you might need in a traditional chain storefront. Uh, and, you know, it's so tough to going in there and they ask you questions. The person behind the counter kind of looks at you funny. And then they start looking on their computer trying to choose the parts that they happen to carry. You've got computers with access to rockauto.com, my home, and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for two decades. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers and they're easy to use site. And you'll get everything you need with just a few you easy clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. Why would you spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store or even worse at a car dealership? RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and then go to their How Did You Hear About Us section and enter Locked On so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. March Madness is a few months away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has his first Big Board of the year out with profiles on Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get podcasts. Um, Now, David, assuming that these games are played tonight, which we can't assume, the Heat Face the 76ers in a battle of Eastern Conference contenders led by a couple of top centers in the league. Joel Embiid's been playing at an MVP level. Bam Adebayo is starting the season right where he left off after his breakout postseason. Uh, If you had to pick one center to build your team around, who would it be? Well, I'll I'll add also for clarification's sake that Adebayo will not be playing in in tonight's matchup. Uh, He is... One of the players uh, that's been quarantined due to contact tracing, Miami now has just the bare minimum as far as the number of players available uh, to field for Tuesday night's game, and Adebayo is not one of them. So. No Jimmy Butler either. I mean, this is no Jimmy uh, Butler, this is, uh, bare bones. Yeah, yeah, this is this is yeah. the uh, this is the uh, kind of funhouse mirror Miami Heat if they even do play. It is not the sexy matchup that you might anticipate if it was Heat Sixers. Uh, no, no drama with Butler facing his former team or anything like that. It's going to be, which is why we ask this question, which which is a lot more broad than actually focusing on this game that may or may not happen. Yeah, uh, look, as far as I know, it looks like the game is moving forward. But as far as which center I'd rather pick, kind of the same answer that I have for the Harden Beal one. I think overall, Embiid is still the better option just because I think he's a more proven go-to scorer. Adebayo was criticized by Heat fans and even some media a couple weeks ago when he was uh, particularly unaggressive in a loss. And he said his job wasn't to get other players uh, to get other players going. Rather, that was his job not to look to score himself. And of course that drew some criticism there. Uh, I think Adebayo though, 
is just an easier player to have on your roster. While Embiid is a great defender, I think Adebayo is a, a great defender that can guard one through five. He can score pretty easily. He's just not as aggressive or necessarily looking for his shot, but he's also expanding his range. He's been very, very good from the mid-range. So if you haven't seen him play this season, uh, be su- you won't be surprised by that because he has been looking really good from 15 to 18 feet. And again, just his playmaking ability is at such a high level that I think he's probably second to Nikola Jokic as a passer as f- from the center position. So he is very, very good. And, and so you don't have to necessarily mold your team around him. We've already seen with Embiid and Simmons that you have to have the right supporting cast around them to get the most out of that roster without a bio that's not necessarily the case i think he can play alongside almost any other player he's a complimentary superstar in his own way and maybe a lot of our listeners might not believe that because i've seen that the most often the criticism most often directed at a bio is well he doesn't put up big points what does he really do it's like well he does everything well mm-hmm. and so that's why he's got such a huge impact in the game and that's the kind of player to me that i'd rather have on my roster right away because you can build better around somebody like that than Embiid, where you have to make him the solitary focus of your roster building efforts i think to to kind of piggyback on your metaphor here um what we saw from Bam Adebayo in last year's playoffs proved to me that that's the sort of player that you want in a postseason setting. Now, Joel Embiid, you can build a roster around him. You can, he can anchor your team throughout a regular season and get you to the playoffs, and he could put up MVP-type numbers. And by the way, I think that his game does translate to the postseason well, but not as well as Bam Adebayo. I would, I would rather have the guy who can play, make, and, and score – and I like Bam's upside as an offensive player more than Joel Embiid's, even though Joel Embiid is this dominant low post player. I'd rather have all the other stuff that Bam does as far as the, the passing and the outside jumper and, and the potential there. I think, you know, three, four years from now, Bam will be far and away a better three-point shooter than, Bam, than, than Joel Embiid will be. Um, and defensively, I would rather have the guy who maybe isn't as dominant at the rim but can defend all five positions and we're not talking about a guy who can defend all five positions. We're talking about a guy who can defend all five positions at a really high level. Like it's not just uh, we're not just talking about like rim protector versus the versatile defender. We're talking about the best rim protector in the league, arguably, maybe other than Rudy, Go- Ro- uh, Rudy Gobert in Joel Embiid versus maybe the most versatile and complete defensive player in the league in Bam Adebayo. Yeah, you know, the other day against the Wizards, I liked how Raul Neto, of all players, was looking to get the switch uh, with Adebayo. And I think he had no idea what he was in for because he starts putting the ball down the floor. I think he's going to get past him. And, of course, Bam matches him step for step. And it winds up resulting in a turnover. He's, like, rushing to get the shot, and it gets packed right back in his face. And, you know, this is the thing. If you haven't seen Adebayo, he's so complete a defender, as you well know. He can guard one through five easily. Like I mean, not just Raul Neto who might not be a great player, although he is an NBA caliber player, but I mean, Steph Curry and on and on and on top quality guards all know what it's like to be, uh, you know, facing Bam Adebayo in front of you and have that being a very daunting challenge that you're not going to necessarily get that upper hand over. Yeah. So in the least uh, surprising twist in this podcast history, we both picked Bam uh, over Joel Embiid. Uh, Finally, the Lakers play the Rockets tonight on NBA TV. David, who you got? Uh, I, I think uh, I'm going to go with the Lakers here. Uh, you know, this isn't the same matchup it was in years past. Maybe maybe that's the trend, though. Like, it seems like the Lakers should be such overwhelming favorites that we should probably go the other way and pick the Rockets. Uh, but I'm going to stick with my guns here and pick Los Angeles. Yeah, I, look, the Lakers have this tendency right now early to float through these games and, and kind of turn it on in the fourth quarter and go ahead and win and them. still win, yeah. 
I think I think that's going to be fine tonight against Houston. I don't like I said I'm not a believer in these Rockets. Uh, I think there's things to like. I just don't think that they're quite there yet. The Lakers, they're completely figured out. They're they're fully formed. There's some new pieces there, but they know exactly what they want to do. They know what their identity is. They've got LeBron James. They've got Anthony Davis. They're going to be just fine. Lakers tonight uh, get the win over Houston. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of the Locked On NBA podcast wherever you listen to podcasts for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. David and I will be back next Tuesday. We'll see you then.